you know, one thing I never understood being in the lending business for 22 years was how consumers never really had immediate access to their credit reports. More importantly, how they really didn't understand how they worked, the good, the bad, and how they got to where they were. That's what I want to talk about in today's episode. I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome back to the Watch More Podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris. And as we dive into episode 131, I get asked all the time about credit, questions on it, how to improve it. More importantly, like, what does it mean? How did we get to these models and, and what, what derives my credit score? So we're going to take a couple of episodes. And in this one in particular, I kind of want to talk about credit, what it means, the definition of it, defining all the models, and then the impacts of your credit score. And in later episodes, I'm going to talk about some hacks to help you improve that. So let's go ahead and start with a couple of things on credit. When we talk about credit, we're referring to the three major repositories. You probably have heard of them, Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, and then they go by some more formalized names such as Equifax Beacon 5.0. That's just Equifax. Experian Fair Isaac, you know, version two, that's just Experian. And then TransUnion FICO Risk Score Classic 04. That's just called TransUnion. You might hear those things be called FICO, Fair Isaac, or Beacon as well. But all three of those are what I'm talking about today. And I think it's really important that we kind of understand that all three of those repositories are what are traditionally used in today's credit environment. Now, I know I did an episode a while back talking about different versions of those coming out in the Vantage scoring model. And while that is out there, it's not as widely adopted as these three traditional models. Now, they may phase out in time, but as of right now, we're doing this podcast here on January 23rd. This is the models that are used today, and they've been used for quite some time. So let's talk about this. These reports report all the consumer's ability to essentially pay back debt on a mutually agreed upon time frame between the creditor. They also report many different things from your birthday, your time on the job, what type of job you've had, your residential housing history, um, your rent housing history. There's a lot of things that go into this credit report, but there's different versions of these credit reports that are out there. And so I want to talk about those versions of the credit reports. And then I want to talk about some terminologies that we're going to use. And when I talk about credit, there's really three types of things that show up on the credit report that most people are going to look at. The first one is going to be a mortgage, and then your installment loans, which are like your auto loans or student debt, and then revolving. And revolving is anything credit, excuse me, credit card that doesn't have a term. Uh, it's an open-ended line of credit uh, versus a closed-ended line of credit. So that also could be your home equity lines as well. So I'm going to talk a little bit about those, and then I want to define some terms that, that kind of are what we call negative terms on a credit report. You'll hear me say things like late payment. And when I say late payment, that means um, you were 30 days late on something. So your credit card might have been due on the 15th, and you end up paying it on the 16th of the following month. That would be a late payment. 60 days would be 61 days beyond the pay date, 90, 91 days beyond the pay date. You kind of get the point. And sometimes you have things that are rolling lates as well. We'll talk about that. Collections, talk about all types of collections and why those are negatively impacting your credit. Judgments as well, repossessions, settlements where you've settled a bill down, uh, you're paying less than what you owe. Um, that could also be called a short sale if you're talking about a mortgage. And then foreclosures, right? These are all the bad words when it comes to credit that can negatively impact your credit. And so as I get into some of this conversation, you're going to hear me use some of those terms. I just kind of want to define them for you and put them out there. So if you're listening to this, you might say, hey, Quentin, I know exactly what my credit score is. I use Credit Karma. I use uh, MyFICO. I use you know annualcreditreport.com. Uh, I go to Experian.com. I go to one of those places you said, or even TransUnion.com. And they do have consumer-facing credit reports on there. But I think it's really important that you understand the difference between a consumer-facing credit report 
the mortgage credit report, and then maybe even something like an auto or an insurance credit report, because they're all different. And I think from a consumer-facing credit report, you're going to get a snapshot of what's basically on your credit report. So you're going to have trade lines that aren't active. You're going to have trade lines that haven't been used from the past that are not being used forward. And those may not show up on these these consumer-facing credit reports. You're also not going to see things that show up on there that the mortgage lender is going to see, or maybe even the auto lender is going to see, because that mortgage lender is going to have the most in-depth credit report that you're ever going to see when it comes to your credit at all. They're going to see everything about your credit history dating from the first trade line all the way forward, plus all that historical stuff I was talking about earlier, like places where you've lived, time on job, how long you've lived there, date of birth. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Even if someone has put your credit information in um, the credit systems to pull credit incorrectly, that will show up. And that'll tell that lender that. Um, and so there's a lot of things that get addressed in that particular credit report that don't show up on the consumer-facing credit report. So um, I think that that's, that's probably one of the major differences when we talk to consumers and their score variations. You know, we get asked that all the time. You know, why, why does my credit karma say I have a 720, but then when my mortgage lender pulls credit or the auto lender pulls credit, it's a 702. And that's because those scores are not equal to one another, for example. That credit karma is taking and is taking a snapshot of what your credit is based on your active trade lines, but not the historical history of your credit report. Um, and I think that also it may not be catching it the same day in which your lender pulled it. For example, if you pull something on the seventh from credit karma, take a look at your lender pulls your mortgage, you know, credit report on the twentieth. Well, there's some days in there in which other people are reporting to your credit report different things. For example, there could be updates um, to your revolving credit. There could have been a late payment that happened. There could have been all sorts of things that were, excuse me, that report during that 14 days that just don't show up at that time in which you looked at it. That's going to be the major difference. And I think something that's really important here when we take a look at this, if you take a look at, um, you know, like Credit Karma, for example, I think that the way they pull that scoring model is they're using that Vantage 4.0 that I did a whole podcast on versus the Fair Isaac versus the um, the Beacon scores and also the, uh, the, the Experian repository that we're talking about. Those are all going to show up at different times and they're going to be different models. So unfortunately, different models are not always going to be equal in scoring. And I think that that's really important because... Because I think sometimes we get hung up on exactly what exactly our score is based on that. And I know if you're using like a Chase credit card, Discover, American Express, they also check your credit and they give you a snapshot of what your credit is. They call it like a credit journey, something of that nature. Those are going to be more in the lines of like a credit karma or a, a MyFICO type deal a credit score versus what a mortgage lender is going to pull. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. The team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. When you're 
applying for any type of loan. There's multiple types of credit pools. Uh, you know, we've talked about this on previous podcasts, but like an M1 credit report, that is going to be a mortgage-related pool versus an, an I, you know, an I1 or an I9 credit report because that's going to be actually the installment being pulled on there. The installment portion of uh, a credit alert versus a mortgage credit alert. And then you have an R1 credit report, which is for revolving. And so there's different types of reports that lenders can pull. Um, For example, if a mortgage lender is doing a tri-merge, that means they're pulling all three credit reports. Um, Sometimes if you're doing an auto loan, they'll only pull a single merge. Um, And then sometimes if you're doing, you know, maybe it's insurance, maybe it's auto insurance, there might be a bi-merge there where they're pulling two, two different bureaus and not just all three or one. And why would a lender choose one over maybe you know all three or two? Because maybe whoever is underwriting that file on the auto side, they only need that one bureau, and that's the preferred bureau that they use. And so that's exactly why they would pull just one instead of getting all three. But on the mortgage side, they're going to pull all three, and that's a tri-merge, and they'll take the middle of the three scores. And that is actually how your loan and your actual product and your interest rate is all going to be determined around that particular score. Again, on the auto side of things, it's probably going to be a one single you know, pull the one that their underwriter prefers. And sometimes on the insurance side, it's more than one just to kind of make sure they can offset uh, the other score. Maybe there's just things that don't show up on one bureau that may show up on another because that does happen from time to time. And so when you're taking a look at these things, I think one of the questions we get asked a lot by consumers is, hey, listen, you know, how do I improve my score or why is my score you know, lower than what I saw, or why are you showing maybe a medical collection and I don't see that, or why on earth is this, you know, this balance higher over here on this credit card than what I'm showing on my, you know, creditkarma.com. Again, I want to go back to when a lender pulls your credit, they are getting a real-time live snapshot in depth of what's going on with your financial profile. Credit Karma is not necessarily going to do that on a weekly or monthly basis. Um, you know, they're going to take a look at it as their system does a push, pull, and updates. And as we've talked about in numerous podcasts, not every lender is going to report to all three repositories at the same time. The reason for that is that rolling billing cycle. And we talked about that during the Apple Goldman Sachs podcast that we did, because one of the issues was that Apple wanted everything on the first of the month and how detrimental that is to a company trying to answer all the phone calls that come in during you know the first of the month because of the billing cycle. So companies will often do a rolling billing cycle on a weekly basis. So even though you may say you're with Chase, right? And you have a Chase, let's say Bonvoy card. And let's say my producer, Charlie also has one. It doesn't mean Charlie and I's bill payment is on the exact same day. Mine might be a week or eight days different than his. That's because we're on rolling billing cycles based on alphabetical last names so that we're not all calling in and inundating those call centers at the same time. And those call centers can man them properly and give the proper customer service to both Charlie and I. Well, the reporting cycle is the same way. So for example, they may not batch everything on, let's say the fifth and report all of that to Experian. They may do that on on the 25th, or they may do it on the 15th. And there's multiple times in which those companies will batch that data over to the credit repositories. And so if Credit Karma is not doing a push-pull real-time and they're doing it every 30 days, you know, you're only getting what comes in on that 30-day cycle. And you may be, you know, a week out or two weeks out from when your next, you know, reporting batch takes place, which could actually 
positively impact your score or negatively impact your score, depending on what your credit utilization is. So that is sometimes why we get different scores in those models. And then the second thing is, again, they may be using a completely different model. They may be using that Vantage 4.0 that we discussed versus the Vantage 2.0 that we have over here that is a little more widely adopted on the lending side. So I think that oftentimes the models are not fully explained to borrowers. And I think oftentimes that we take the word credit and credit score and we just go, well, this is my credit score. So therefore they should all be the same. And quite often they're different models and the different models are not all widely adapted. So let's take it, kind of try to make it make more sense here. So let's say you have a, um, let's say you have a MacBook and the MacBook that you're using is from 2015. And then let's say you have a MacBook Air 2020 model. The MacBook and the Mac Air are two different models. While they perform the same functionalities, they don't look the same, and one is lighter than the other, and one has higher performance than the other, but it's also maybe more expensive, and therefore it's not as widely adapted yet. It's going to get there. So fast forward to 2023. Now the Mac Air is everywhere. A lot of people prefer it and they use it. It's one of the, I think it's one of their best-selling laptops. And the MacBook Pro is now more of like a higher-end laptop that they've had to readapt and make better so that they could you know get more people to use it. But it took time for that Air to become widely adapted. Um, that might not be the best scenario, but that's the one that I got because I'm looking at a MacBook right now. That's the one I came up with. So um, in the next episode, a couple things we want to tackle here is we want to we want to tackle how to improve your credit. There's some hacks that lenders maybe don't always share, but they know there's some hacks that the general public can do without having to get anyone involved to improve their credit score or maximize their credit score. Maybe you got a great credit score and you want to make it better. Uh, maybe you got a great credit score and you want to protect it. We're going to talk about that in the next episode. But before we get into that, I want to end this episode with a couple of things here. There are five what I consider to be critical components that create your score of how it's determined. This is kind of pulling the curtain back from the industry right now. And this is um, from our friends over at Partners Credit. And Partners Credit is like many vendors who essentially they provide the credit report to people and they're the, excuse me, the liaison between Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. Um, you know, as a consumer, you and I, we just can't walk up to Experian, TransUnion, Equifax, make a phone call and go, hey, what's my credit score? We actually have to go to someone that's authorized to pull that credit and then tell us what that is. And, you know, for many years, people couldn't even tell you what your score was when they pull your score. That was one of the most annoying things. Like, hey, we just pulled your credit. Oh, cool. What's my score? I can't tell you that. Like that literally is how things used to go down. And then, obviously, there were laws that transitioned in 2010 that now require, excuse me, 2008, that required lenders to now divulge your credit score to you and tell you what it is at the beginning of the process, not necessarily at the very end if you were denied. They have to tell you up front. And that was a great move that was changed in the lending industry. But the, no one still knows to this day, like, how is my score comprised? Like, what makes my score? So your score is simple as this, and this is straight from partners. I think this is wonderful, is that your score is determined by five factors of differing importance, right? So 35% of your credit score is based on your payment history. That's that's basically, are you making your payments on time and are you paying your loan in the mutually agreed upon timeframe? Pretty simple. Late payments, that's going to hurt your score, right? 30-day lates, 60-day lates. Now, again, defining lates. If your mortgage payment is due on the first of every month, and you make it on the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, you get the point. That's not late. Matter of fact, you should have a grace period from the first all the way to the 15th. That's a traditional grace period. If you make your payment on the 16th, it's still not late. It's not late on the 17th, you get the point. It's late 
on the first of the next following month. It's late. That's when it's late. So that's a 30-day late. So if you're making a late payment beyond your 30-day cycle, then that's going to hurt your score negatively. Next one is 30% of it's how much you owe. Now, you can't really control what you owe on the mortgage because once you sign the note, that is the note. Now you're just paying it down, right? Same thing with auto loans. Now, you could go out and overspend on a mortgage and you could go out and overspend on a car, but most people stay within their budgetary means unless there's a life-altering effect that happens. So when we talk about how much you owe, it's not necessarily on the mortgage and it's not necessarily on the auto loans. It's on the revolving credit card. And this credit utilization... This is a term that we use a lot. Credit utilization is vital. So if you have a $10,000 credit card limit, uh, I use $10,000 because it's a round number. If you have a $10,000 credit card limit, traditionally speaking, you want to stay below 30% debt utilization on that. So when the billing cycle comes out, you really don't want to have higher than a $3,000 balance on that credit card when the cycle comes out. Uh, If you could keep it below $3,000, but also above zero. You know, that's the tricky part. We'll talk about that in the next episode. But if you get it below $3,000, you're going to see what they call a credit utilization pop in your credit score. Like you are going to be rewarded in your credit score for having the right utilization of the debt load on that credit card. And that goes for all credit cards. Let's say you have like two or three of them. It doesn't matter that it's an overall 30%. Each card needs to be at 30% or less in order to maximize your credit score. Um, And again, we'll get into that in the next episode and how to kind of make that work for you. 15% of this is also going to be determined on the length of your history. So if you're a newcomer to the credit community, you know, let's say you're 18 years old, you're probably not going to have what we call credit depth. Now there's a way to get around that. And again, we're going to talk about that in the next episode, but that credit depth is really important. And the more depth you have in your credit, the more you're going to receive additional rewards in your score. Like it's very abnormal for an 18 year old to roll up to the market and have like a 760 score. It can happen. And I'm going to show you how to do that in the next episode, but it's extremely rare. You know, you typically don't start achieving those scores until you at least have some sort of depth and depth is usually defined as like 10 years or more. Now, again, there are ways to do it, but most people traditionally speaking, wait until they're beyond that 28 year old range and start seeing the benefits of those higher, you know, 700s, 800 scores. And uh, the next one is going to be 10% is new credit. So how much new credit are you taking on? So we've got 35% is payment history, 30% is the amount you owe, 15% is the length of history, and 10% is the new credit that you're taking on. So are you like trying to take on a ton of new credit? You know, I've talked about this over and over on episodes before where you're just like, hey, I got to apply for this new card because, you know, maybe it's got points that do this and it's better than my old card, or maybe I'm getting more rewards and I'm getting more you know, points per dollar for this, or Maybe I'm just getting, uh, you know, a certain amount of money back, cash back per month. Like we know all cards differ, right? So people will apply based on what they see on TV or maybe their friends are like, hey, dude, why aren't you using this card? I'm getting this back. So, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why we open up new credit cards. You just might need one, right? You might need, you might have one that's quote unquote tapped out, or maybe you're doing the balance transfer game we talked about in the last episode or so about how to kind of move your debt around so you can pay it off. But there's other reasons. And then obviously autos, and mortgages. They're going to look at that as well. Like how many mortgages, how many autos, and then how many credit cards, that's all new credit debt. But if you go in the, if you go in this order, new debt being established, uh, in order of like what's going to impact your score more negatively is if you keep opening up credit cards, you're probably going to get the credit bureau not, not be too friendly on your credit score with that. Automobiles are a distant second, right? And then mortgages are a way distant third. 
So that's just something to uh, to keep in mind in that order. And then 10%, uh, the last 10% is the type of credit used. And that kind of goes into what I was just talking about there, revolving, auto, mortgages, like that type of credit that's being used on there. All of that is crucial. So you have 35% payment history, 30% on what you owe on your basically revolving, but also your auto and your mortgage, 15% on your time in the credit report, and then 10% of the new credit, and then 10% of how you use that credit. So I think that's important. This graph is going to be on our YouTube channel at uh, What's Your One More with the number one. We'll have that in there. We're also going to put some other slides in there from partners that I'm going to get into here a little bit later on, talking about trade lines, explaining what a credit report looks like. We kind of have a, a really nice, what we call a fake credit report uh, that we can put in there for Lucky Lou and kind of show you some of the things in there that we look at from the lender side as we pull the curtain back and kind of show you guys some things that the consumer traditionally doesn't get to see. So guys, if you like what you're hearing, please share this podcast, five-star review it. Uh, it's on any platform in which you get your podcast, but we'd love for you, especially to go to the Apple one, leave a review you. Uh, leave us some comments. We love hearing from you guys. And again, thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you at the next episode of What's Your One More. I got one more shot. I'm going to make it. One more chance. I'm going to take it. I meant it when I said it. Now it's time for me to do it. I got one life to live. So I put them all into it. Yeah.